My wife came to me and she said she wanted a divorce. When I was eight years old, my parents got divorced. Coincidence? I don't know. Think about which one is running you. Is it the future or is it the past? The imagination or the past circumstances? The unknown of what may or may not happen doesn't scare me. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we are here with Polish Peter, Mr. Peter Kolat. He is a transformational speaker. Um, Peter, we are so excited to get started with you. We always love to kick off the show with the story. We know you have coaching clients all over the place. Can you tell us about one of your best success stories in the coaching field? Well, first and foremost, I appreciate you guys having me on here. Um, sounds like you guys have an awesome podcast, so I just love to connect with people like you guys and, and share what I can do to help impact the audiences. Uh, one of my stories that um, I love sharing with some of my people is that this lady that came into my coaching, she's out of Wisconsin, and one of her big points was she was working in a W-2 job and she wanted to transform over into just being a self real estate person, just self-sufficient, not work for anybody else. And part of her vision was also to go and live in Florida, down south. Unfortunately, as we're recording this, Florida is getting crazy uh, right now. So my heart goes out to people who are living there with the storm and everything. But she wanted to live in Florida, have her own business. So as I was working through her and helping her shift some of the mindset things and, and creating income and things like that, Long story short, within probably a year, she ended up moving down to Florida. She ended up quitting her W-2 job. She is a real estate agent, so she has been able to go and create uh, you know, income out of the real estate agent down in Florida. And one of her latest flips that she actually does, because she does mainly flips in real estate, literally ended up being across the street from her house. And that house was basically like staring her in the face for quite a while she had to go and find the owner because they passed away so there was a long process that and and she started flipping it um, remodeled it and things like that and now she's looking to probably make about close to 200 grand on that house so it's amazing what people are able to do when they finally go and get out of their own way right to be able to go and make life happen so i love sharing that story because she's an amazing human being Love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's such a good lesson to agents and investors that, Hey, I mean, yes, you can go out of state, you can go far away, but sometimes the best deals are literally right across the street, you know, and that gives you that ability to, to keep an eye on the project, et cetera. That's super cool. So my mind is taking me to obviously want to go back and get a little, know a little bit more about you mm -hmm. and your journey. Um, so let's, let's start there. Well, as you can probably, I don't know how much you want me to share, but you can probably tell I have an accent. It's not from Texas, as some people might think. Um, I'm originally from Poland, came here when I was 14 years old, didn't speak any English. In fact, I think I'm still learning. I don't think I can ever learn this language. Uh, interesting, before this podcast, you mentioned, Matt, uh, holy cow, right? And um, Yes. That, that's one of those phrases that seeped into my language and the holy cow, I'm still wondering what the holy cow is. <laughs> well, anyway, so I came here when I was 14, went to high school, got a degree in architecture. So I was developing a lot of real estate back in the day. That was before the crash in 2008. Um, had a family, 
uh, got married, three kids, and the 2008 came around, and that architecture developments literally, I live in Michigan, went out the window completely. And what ended up happening is started struggling a lot because I had to go and find my own company. I started my own company, which was in helping real estate investors and agents market their businesses on the internet because I've learned through the um, school of hard knocks on how to actually do that on the internet. Back in the day in 2008, you could literally take over the entire page of Google. I don't know if you guys remember those days. Um, you guys seem younger than me, so I don't know, but um, you could take over the entire page. So I was helping people do that. And you know, a little while later in about 2011, as I was starting to come out of this hole that we were in, my wife came to me and she said she wanted a divorce. And that hit me like, ton of breaks. It was the next two, three years was one of the hardest times of my entire life because I literally went into a bad place in my head. And, you know, think about it. I literally like the three kids that I have and they were young at the time. I literally will not be able to wake up next to them every single morning. Those are the kinds of thoughts that were going through my head. And so I went through that. Um, and then so slowly certain people started coming into my life. And um, ended up in the masterminds, a few masterminds. One was in Life on Earth. And as I was going through this, learning a lot about myself, who I am, and, and the whole mindset stuff, I started figuring out why that was happening. Who am I? Why is it that that divorce actually happened? Because strangely enough, and I don't think this is a coincidence, when I got divorced, my oldest was eight years old. When I was eight years old, my parents got divorced. Coincidence? I don't know. But there was a patterns, I think, that we end up living as people. So long story short, now currently, I am pretty successful. I remarried, have an amazing wife. Uh, she is just love of my life and um, have kids have grown. I have a business, um, a couple of masterminds that I run, and I help people literally live their vision, their life and creating, helping them create their businesses that are supporting that life. And life is pretty amazing today. Um, I don't have to worry about money and things like that. So it's, I love it. Love that. Yeah. And, and so I want to dive head into this because the way you set the stage is so perfect for, I think, where we're at in our cycle of real estate, economy, et cetera. We're at this likely place where things might go crazy. Mm -hmm. They might crash. We might have some real tr troubles like they did in 2008. So what I'd like you to do is take us deep into the analysis of 2008. So for example, you helping the real estate space, what do you see as the similarities, not just in the market, but if, if someone was you, like, mm -hmm. like a, in that sense, right? But maybe they're an agent or an investor, what should they be preparing for? Not just in a, you know, economic sense and a business sense, but in a life sense. Mm -hmm given that the, the winds, the storms might be upon us, how should they prepare and get ready to go through this, this cycle? Well, that's a great question. And the thing is, I don't think any of us can really predict of what may or may not happen, you know? And that's the unknown that a lot of people are dealing with. Now, what I would say in regards to that, because looking back in 2008, a lot of successful investors, people were successful in life, like look at Warren Buffett. One of his things that he says is when people, when there's blood in the streets, that's when you go and take action. That's when you go and make money, correct? 
Now, that saying is easier said than done mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And the reason for that is, is, I believe, is how we react as people individually to these tough times, to these things outside circumstances of what has happening out there, how we perceive it of what is happening out there. Because some people will like, for instance, all of a sudden the market crashes, let's say 50%. Some people will be like, yes, uh, let's go and you know take advantage of it. And some people will go and they literally hide, you know what I mean? And they go into this hiding and they don't take any action. They freeze, right? So I think, you know, economically speaking, you know, you can go and start looking from, okay, so if I'm a real estate investor, there's opportunities coming my way. So I need to set myself up and I tell my students, listen, start creating relationships with people who are private lenders, who are, you know, hard money lenders, whoever it might be. So when opportunities come, you can pull the trigger on it, right? So relationships are huge, especially during this time. But I think it's more important is what's going on between the two years. Because the person that, for instance, I am today is not the same person that experienced 2008. And what I mean by that is Mm -hmm. the unknown of what may or may not happen doesn't scare me. Back then, uh, there was fear. My reaction was with fear. What if this? What if this? What if, what if, what if? And what ends up happening, it, my reaction was, was freezing me. You know what I mean? I didn't do anything. And that's what caused a lot of this stuff to um, collapse in my life. You know what I mean? Does that make mm-hmm. sense, what I'm saying, guys? Absolutely. Makes 100% sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're talking about how important mindset is and being in control of your life. Um, I think this kind of ties into what you mentioned before. You said you had the divorce and you had a three-year very tough period. And then you were introduced to life and error. And that was able to get you to shift your mind and get you in a better direction. Can we talk about like any specific mindset strategies that you were utilizing during that time frame in order to accomplish that? Yeah, sure. So um, one of the things that I discovered in that entire process, and this was a huge, huge shift for me, is this. When you look at people going about their life, you go to school, you learn things, right? Then you get out of school and maybe you get a job or you start your own company and you create a business plan, right? If you have, you're starting your own company, you create a business plan. If you work for somebody W2, they have a business plan and you go and you operate, you do stuff for them, 40 hours a week or whatever it might be, right? And what ends up happening in some shape or form, you end up fulfilling on those goals, right? Because if you're working with W2, you go work, you make money, you bring money to home and you live your life. If you have a business, you start moving towards that business. Now, what ends up happening is if you ask the question for yourself, why are you doing all this? What's the end result? What's the end goal for it? 90% of people will come back and say, well, the reason because I want to have a freedom in my life. Well, what does that look like? Well, freedom maybe to travel, to go different places, take my family on a trip, to go and maybe some people will say, well, to have money work for me and not me working for the money. They'll say, you know, maybe I want to get out of the W-2 job, right? So the end result, what they're going after is life. Now, here is the problem. That life is not very well defined for them of what that actually looks like that they're going after. And what ends up happening because the business is pretty well-defined or the job is pretty well-defined, they takes over your life. 
Now, what happens then? That life that you're going after never comes. So what we do and what I do, one of the first things I do with my students when they come into like, you know, to my group or when we do, I do, we do events throughout the year around the country, it's the first thing we say, what do you want your life to look like? Let's figure out what that life vision is for you, like your family, like your you know, personal stuff, what you want, what you need. Do you have any regrets that you don't want to have? Um, all those kinds of health. What does your health look like? When we get clear on what that life looks like, then the question is, okay, now that you know what your life is supposed to look like and how many hours a week do you want to work to support that life and how much money you need to make to support that life. So let's say you want to work 20 hours a week and you want to make $200,000. Now we start asking, well, let's, what is that business that you're looking to create need to look like to support that life? And there is a huge shift that happens for people because now they're looking, okay, how do I design that business? I have to do it very intentionally in order for me to live that life. And that's when huge shifts happen for people because now they're not just going, you know, like I'd say there are squirrels all over the place, right? People have squirrels in life. All of a sudden, these squirrels are just going by, you know, looking for them because you're very intentional about creating a business to support that life. That's a huge shift wow. for people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to go back and tap in on some of the stuff we were talking about earlier, but then I have several things that I want to do with what you just said. So I appreciate you giving us so much to work with here. So number one, going back to like the situation with 2008 mm -hmm. and the emotions, you mentioned the word fear. Mm -hmm. So do you, cause like looking back and talking to a lot of people who went through some of the last financial crisis, even looking at guys like Dave Ramsey, like who was on the brink of divorce, but didn't get divorced. Yep. Like, do you think in, in a household where typically, let's say the male is the breadwinner, that type of thing, do you think the divorce is happening because of a lack of money? Or do you think the divorce is happening because of the fear and maybe even the lack of direction leadership that's being, you know, portrayed in the home? What are maybe some, cause I'm like super passionate about people having great marriages. Yeah. Like, I think it's a, a foundation element. If, they, if they're, if they're married, I hope they have a great marriage. What are some things that people could do in the midst of turmoil to, to have a good relationship? Well, that's a great question. And I think one of the biggest reasons why the divorces happen is because there was lack of communication, lack of clarity in communication. Because for instance, back then for me, I literally wouldn't say much, you know, meaning like because of everything that was happening, I would just go into this work mode and I wasn't communicating with my wife, my wife very clearly. And things happen in life, right? Circumstances happen in life. And when we start actually communicating clearly with our partners, with our wife, I don't think their wives or husbands are crazy to say, you know what, screw this. I don't want to deal with you. They want to work things out. However, because of the lack of communication, that's when things get worse and worse and worse to a point where they're like, I can't do this anymore kind of a thing, right? So I think that's a big part. Now, as far as you mentioned about men being leaders in a household, um, I, I agree with that. You know, there is certain aspects that we have to become leaders um, because think about it, like your kids. I don't know if you guys have any kids, but they watch us. They watch what we do, how we interact, how we take um, actions 
as opposed to us telling them what they should or shouldn't do. And so that leadership, especially during tough times, gives them examples of how they should react in tough times. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, 100%. Um, I think there's been studies doing on that, or there's been a lot of studies done on that, actually, that you could tell your kids whatever you want, but essentially they're going to end up emulating your behavior no matter what you're telling them to do. So you're absolutely correct there. Um, I'd love to tap into fear just a little bit more because I know this is something you specialize in. Yep. So, like, anybody that has a fear of starting a business or um, – I guess any fear, whatever, like what would be your advice to them in order to overcome that fear? Awesome. Yeah. I love talking about fear because it's, you know, you've probably heard the phrase fear is, you know, face everything and, you know, act right now kind of a thing. Here's the thing about fear. If I were to ask anybody here, show me fear, like literally show me, point to me, let me see the fear. What is it? Whatever it might be. I don't think unless it's you have a bear standing in front of you, it's a bear that you're pointing at and not your reaction to it, right? Because that you can't really pinpoint that you can't see it. You can't tell me about it. You can show it to me, yet it still feels like it exists. Now, one of the reasons why that fear comes up for people is because what ends up happening is their mind goes way ahead into the future. And they are afraid of what the possible imagination your brain starts telling you about, like what this may or may not happen, right? So, for instance, like if somebody is afraid of um, high places, they will, their mind starts going crazy ways and they're like, well, what if I fall over? What if I slip and then I fall down and I die and, and all those kinds of things, right? So your mind goes way ahead into the future and starts wondering what if. So that imagination takes over. The other aspect of it is that some people go back into their past and start thinking what happened back then and how it can happen again. And I don't want to do this again. And they end up what's happening is their past is starting to run their life. So the question for the listener is like, think about which one is running you. Is it the future or is it the past? The imagination or the past circumstances? And when you discover that, the next thing to ask yourself is, well, what is the plan that I need to create? So sometimes people, depending on the person, I'll ask them, so what's the worst thing that can happen if you go and invest in this real estate? Well, I'll lose all my money. Okay. Well, um, if you lose all your money, what's the worst thing that can happen then? And they look at that scenario and all of a sudden it doesn't have as much power over them to go and take action because like for instance, for me, I lost pretty much everything back then. In fact, I lost my entire you know marriage and everything. There's not much you can take away from me right now. Uh, in fact, one of my students, he is from the perspective like, listen, if I had to live in a van down by the river, I'll figure it out, right? Because there are so many things that happen in his life. Now, what ends up happening too is you create that plan, take some steps, and then here is an important aspect in order to break through, walk through, around it, over it, everything when it comes to fear. You just focus on the literally the next step in front of you, the next step in front of you, just the next step. And because think about it, we live in moments, don't we? It's a moment to moment stuff. And if we just go the next step, 
pretty soon you end up on the other side and you look back and you're like, wow, I did this. And that's how you, that's one of the ways to you actually go around that fear and make it not keep you and you're in charge of it as opposed to the other way around. I really love Matt. I'm, I'm going to let you take this one. I got to throw something out yeah. there real quick. I, Peter, I love that you're a transformational speaker and you managed to roll in the van yeah. by the river. Yeah. Part of <laughs> sketch. You, I mean, that is just gold. Matt, this is your question, but a motivational speech, motivational speaker talking about a van by the river. <laughs> I love I it. Um, what a connection. No doubt. Um, go ahead, Matt. Yeah. I, and I love how you, describe like frames of time. Like this is something I actually think in a lot, essentially like, you know, as a visionary, most of my time is spent in the future. Mm -hmm. There are people who spend most of their time in the present people who spend also, and there, and there's benefits to all of them. Mm -hmm. If, if done properly, like you can learn lessons from the past. There is a tremendous value of living life in the present and having happiness now. And then of course, being able to vision the future and create the future that you want is a value too. But what I'm sensing from you is that essentially all those can be bad too, if you're spending too much time in the wrong sense of the future. So what I'm hearing is that if you carve out the right plan, the future is no longer a place of fear. It's a place of joy, right? As you carve out your endeavor. One thing I want to get your take on. So as an agent, I was running a lot of transactions mm -hmm. with a small team and that was great. And income was coming in, but it seemed like it was a never ending thing. Like I would have to keep doing this over and over again for a very long time. The second I made the switch to investing, it became very, very clear for me because it was literally five transactions that we did that took me from zero cash flow to enough to live on. Mm -hmm. And so like for me, that simplicity of knowing it's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's five transactions, something, something like mm -hmm. that. Can you define how you create plans for your coaching clients? Like what are the key elements in it? Like I know you mentioned earlier regarding, you know, W2, someone else is defining your plan mm -hmm. essentially, but how, how do you help someone define a plan? That's a great question. So the first step that we have is literally create a vision for their life. And all we talk about is what do you want your life to look like? That's it on that. And then we get it down to a one page document. It's like a living, breathing document. Okay. And so that's step number one. Once we get that, we figure out well, how many hours do you ultimately want to work? How much money do you want to bring to live that vision? Because what ends up happening majority of the time, people think I need to be a multi-gazillionaire to live my life. When they look at this perspective, they find out that I don't have to be that making this money. I've actually had somebody at one of our events, he said he needed, uh, I think he said $2 million a month in, in money bringing in to be able to live his life. And after he went through this exercise, he discovered he needed about $10,000 a month. That's a huge difference. It's less stress, right? And then once we figure this part out, then we start looking, okay, what are your strengths? What's your genius kind of a thing? Because let's say from real estate, some people love dealing with tenants. Some people hate dealing with tenants, right? Some people love doing flipping and going through this process. Some people don't. So when we look at this, what is it, which type of a business model and who you are that's going to align with what kind of a person you are. And then once we figure that part out of what type of a business structure that you would want to have to, you know, that you're really good at, 
Then we just basically go and, okay, this is where we want to get to, to this vision, right? And then we reverse engineer taking steps backwards to figuring this part out. So for instance, one of my students, we did the reverse engineering and to live his passive income, he just needed six cash flowing free and clear houses. He just looked for houses. They're in a really good school district in his area. He, and he one by one just bought them and then he started paying them off and free and clear house, free and clear house, free and clear house. And he's got six of them and just paying his entire vision to live his life. He doesn't need to have hundred houses. He just needs six of them. They're free and clear and a really good school district. So tenants are pretty good. You got families, he doesn't have to deal with all that kind of stuff. Life is simple and he can actually go and travel and all those kinds of things. Cause a lot of those guys, they can't do it because they're tied to their business. If that makes any sense. Everyone who listens to our show knows Matt and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times you have watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. And the results prove this. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secret that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is why we have opened up a few one-on-one -on -one coaching slots with Freedom Chasers Coaching, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are and where you want to go and most importantly, how you want to get there, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are, where you want to go, and how you want to get there. The benefit of working with Matt and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 successful people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten the inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We are able to work with you to pick the strategy that will fit the best and then help you create the custom plan and steps to take you quickly into financial freedom. The fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Oh, it makes total sense. So I'm curious, like, um, how many types of business models do you guys teach them? Because it sounds like you're asking people what they're good at, what they want to do, and then you try to find them a solution for their specific skill set. So it's not necessarily niche-based. So, like, how many types of businesses are you helping people create? Well, so it's – so as a coach, I am not the person who literally figures everything out for them. Because coaches don't do that, right? If you think about it, coaches like Phil Jackson with Michael Jordan. You guys probably remember them, right? Phil Jackson wasn't a better player than uh, Michael Jordan. Now we're even close. But he knew certain things to shift and, you know, help them change. So that's my job when it comes to their business model. Most of my students, where they come in and we start literally aligning this, they've done a lot of research. Right, they've looked at the different um, business models. So I ask them probing questions to figure out whether or not that is truly the business that they want to be in. And then, because of our resources and networks, we help them align with, um, you know, 
So for instance, I have student does storage unit facilities. So he's connecting with people who are private money lenders and, you know, I'm helping them figure out, well, who do you need to talk to? Those kinds of things, right? So I'm more of a coach perspective of probing certain questions to get them thinking differently and act to help them in that business model. So the business models are almost unlimited. Uh, however, I will tell you this, mostly it's in real estate. Um, I have clients who are online businesses, uh, e-commerce, um, uh, lead generation type of businesses online and, um, you know, those kinds of things. So. Love it. So I am passionate about psychology and, and oh. how that plays out in the workplace. And we could go a mile deep on this and I would be like super content. One thing I want to like set the stage on is there's people out there, coaches, et cetera, that, that really come from the old school mentality, which is, Hey, it's less about your personality and more about commitment and, and doing what you need to do because at the end that's going to produce results. Kind of like when you look at the NFL, the players, it's like, do your job, do it the same way, do it with excellence, et cetera. And then there's like this, we'll call it new age mentality in business, which is find yourself, find your personality, like go to where you're naturally going to bloom. Mm -hmm. So can you describe how you look at that equation and how you guide people in the sense of like, when is it time to buckle down and do your job? When is it time to recognize you need to move into a better fit? So great question. Um, so I think it's twofold. One is you got to figure out your quote unquote genius zone or what you're really good at. Because think about it this way. Some of us go to work, hate the job. How is that life? It sucks, doesn't it? It's not like you can just turn it off, come home, say, hi, honey, life is good, right? You bring it home and vice versa. So I think that's important. The second thing is buckling down and doing your job. Even if you're in your genius zone, there's times, circumstances, whatever that happened that literally can rock your world, right? So what I help people discover is figuring out what their why is. How is this a must for you? Because it has to become this must that's going to take you through that tough time, through that valley to get you to the other side. Because, you know, life isn't all rosy and it's all great and peachy and things are sometimes tough things happen, right? So how you get through the next stage. So I'll help people figure out their why that's going to pull them through. So, you know, for instance, like my why back in the day, now I kind of elaborated, was my daughter. Because one of the things that was really important for me, especially back then, she wasn't very communicating with me. She wasn't really wanting to do anything with me. And I literally found myself like, if I, if I don't make this relationship work, if I don't do what I need to do, I probably will not be here. And then if I'm not here, she's going to be at the end of the aisle when she's getting married by herself. And that hurt right here. It's right here in the heart, right? So when you start looking from that perspective, you have that strong why. You have a plan that we created. And now how you buckle down, then you start looking from the perspective, okay, this is how powerful, how important this is for me to go after this. And then the last piece I think that most people don't talk about is who do I need to bring on board to help me get this? Because 99% of us are what? I can do it myself. It's my business, so I need to do it myself. But it's not about the how. 
it's about the who a lot of times. I don't know if you, anybody has read the book, Who Not How. It's a powerful little book that shapes how you run business. So those ingredients, I think, are important to help any business not only get to where they need to be. Love that answer on so many levels. There's so many different ways I could take this. Um, totally agreed. Who Not How is one of the best books. Everybody out there should read it without a doubt. Um, your why is extremely powerful with your daughter. I'm, I'm grateful that you shared that with us. I am going to backtrack just a little bit because mm -hmm. you're talking about finding your genius zone. And I think this is very important, right? So, I mean, how does somebody find their genius zone? How do you lead them in that direction in order to find that? Because I think that is very important. Well, one of the things that I ask, and this is through questions that I start asking them is, so one, oh, so here's the first thing I do. First thing I do is I have them take a couple of tests. Uh, you know, we have those personality tests. So two of them that I do is a six human needs test, which is a Tony Robbins and Chloe Madonna's. They put it together. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but what it basically says that every single person in the world has top six needs that they need to fulfill. So those tell me what are the top needs that somebody has. And the second thing I ask is the test of um, disk profile. It tells me what kind of a person you are, whether you're extrovert, whether you're introvert, whether you're someone who is very decision kind of oriented, boom, 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 kind of a thing, short answers, whether you are someone who's very, you know, um, out there kind of a dealing with people, right? Because we tend to, figure this out. And then I ask them in questions like, okay, what do you love doing? What do you hate doing? You know, who, when you are feeling like you're on top of the world, what are you doing? How are you being? Those kinds of questions. And what ends up happening through these answers, they tell me like, well, listen, I love talking with people. I love being around people. I love having conversations. And it seems like every single time I talk to somebody, they get something out of it. Well, you probably shouldn't be sitting behind the desk. Right. If you're in the real estate industry, you probably should be the person who's going out there and talking with people, reaching out, you know, having conversations about signing the contracts. You shouldn't be the guy who is nailing the two by four on the job site. So those how you start figuring these things out. And I think throughout the process, you start figuring this out. Like, I don't know if you guys can tell, but. I'm an extrovert, right? I love talking. <laughs> I love being out there in public, uh, helping people. So that's the type of a person that's really good for sales. Whether someone else is who's very like introverted, they need to have like systems in place. They just go, you know, like you mentioned, Matt, earlier that you're a visionary. Well, if you're a visionary, you probably need somebody uh, in your business that's more of an integrator because your strong suit is probably not going and finishing jobs kind of a thing. Right? He's going up on the line with this, which is, there's nothing wrong with that because we need both parts. Uh, and that's when you start plugging these holes where you're not really good at what somebody who's really good at what you're not good at. And that's how you start helping people out. Yeah. And I love that you talk about the who, not how, because it's like some people have a mindset of, I need to do everything. And even when they can, I mean, there's a lot of very capable people out there. Mm -hmm. but you're essentially stepping away from your passion. You're stepping away from your joy. You're stepping away from all those things. You're going to be less productive because you're not going to provide the same value that an integrator would provide if they were in there. Like, I, I, like yesterday, even like most of the days that I live now are pretty joyous because I've 
gone through this process you're describing and podcasting is a thing that I love. And so I could do it at a high level of energy and I get done with a full day of podcasting. And it's like, my goodness, I have more energy than when I started the day. Right. But yesterday I was not podcasting and yesterday was filled with nothing but detailed problems. Like the mortgage company we had didn't pay the insurance on time. And my accountant needed some information about some, some transactions. And I got done with yesterday and I like wanted to fall asleep on the couch at 5 PM. Mm -hmm. And so like, I can attest to what you're saying. So I'm super thankful that you are spelling out that people should one, move to their area of passion, but two, immediately, regardless of the finance of the business, in my opinion, move to either partner or connect or hire somebody that can help out from a return on energy standpoint. So like, if we were to play this out, because this question I have in my mind, and I don't know if this will be an easy question to answer or not. But so the method that you're talking about is essentially laying out, like, let's move in the direction of what you like. Mm -hmm. How, how, if at all, do you help people discover passions and skill sets that maybe are outside of the way that they would naturally progress? Cause like you hear some stories about people who like, I didn't realize I'd be a genius in this way. Is there a method or a way to dis discover maybe some untapped genius? <clears throat> yes. So that's an interesting question. Um, so for instance, I'll give you an example of myself because one of the things that I created is a mastermind model within my coaching where three times a year we come together live in person and we sit in a room about 20 people and every single person has a hot seat, right? And they talk about what's important to them, how they want to solve things, you know, with the problem and things like that. The entire room for the next hour focuses solely on them. And I think that throughout this kind of a process, it helps bring out some of those things that you are not aware of it because guess what those things are in your blind spot it's like you know how you have a driving a car you have a blind spot that's what we tend to live in now for me personally i remember sitting in room way back in the day in 2013 and someone says to me he goes well listen you're a people pleaser i'm like no i'm not he goes well, yes you are i'm look at all that evidence that, you know, you do this, 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 and you're running all over the place and you have, you know, you got, I had three businesses back then, you know, and, and I'm doing, trying to do everything and I'm have clients and all the kinds trying to do everything myself. And to me, it was completely like in my blind spot, completely like, what? I'm a people pleaser. So all of a sudden when that opened up, I'm like, what? And I started looking from the perspective, okay, how do I make this work now? How do I say no? So that happens for both the, the bad blind spots, like in this particular case, and the good blind spots, you know what I mean? And I think when you have multiple people in the room interacting with you, that helps to see that because guess what? That person that says it might be the blind spot. Does that make sense? And that's why they're totally. able to know and tell you, hey, this is the problem or this is your genius. Because they see that wow. within themselves. And possibly even your who, depending on the size of the blind oh, yeah. spot, the opportunity in the business, so on and so forth. Completely. Wow, that's fascinating. I, I've never heard anybody put it like this. So you're talking about good blind spots, bad blind spots. So essentially it's like, you know, blind spots as your weakness or blind spots as your missed strength that you haven't oh. recognized yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is super fascinating. Okay, so you opened up a can of worms when you said running three businesses at one time. I don't know if you knew it or not, but you opened up a can of worms. So 
I have gurus that I listen to, and I don't want to call them gurus because I actually view them as very, very intelligent, very mm -hmm. successful, like people that you should listen to. Right. One says you should only ever do one business at a time and you should give it 100% of your all. Mm -hmm. And another person is running dozens and dozens and dozens of businesses and is like, to heck with one business. Mm -hmm. You should be running tons of businesses. Can you give your take on that? Yes. Oh, controversial subjects. All right. So listen. Here's my take on it. First thing you have to recognize, why are you doing this? Why is it only one or why is it multiple? Because if you're doing multiple, we are the place of fear that you're worried that you're going to fail and all that kind of stuff. It's not a good reason to run businesses, multiple businesses, right? So that's number one. Number two, um, you look at what the vision says. I always go back to your vision. Do you, does you, your vision says that you need to have multiple businesses? I like to keep life simple because if I can have a simple life, I was just in Colorado for over a week, eight days, and my business didn't stop running. Some people can't do that, right? And the thing is, if you keep things simple, you make things happen. Now, as far as running multiple businesses, I have some students who started doing that. My caveat to that is this. If you want to have multiple businesses, Figure out the first business, set it up how you want that business to run so you are not in a business, you work on a business. Once you do that, then you tackle the next business. Then you tackle the next business and you do repeat, rinse and repeat to a point because what ends up happening when people run multiple businesses, it's like squirrels for them, right? Majority of people. Talk, for instance, Tony Robbins, you guys are probably aware who that is. He's got a ton of businesses. I don't know how many he has right now. But I would guess that he is not working in any of these businesses. He is more of an uh, advisor or a board member or decision maker on certain things. And he has people in place who are running these businesses. And in order for him to do that, he had to first set up the first business, put all the pieces in place, people in place, the who's. And then he moves on to the next one. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Um, so yeah, I've heard this put in an analogy before that I think works pretty well because I've found myself in that hole too, where you're trying to do too many businesses at once and it becomes very challenging because you become the bottleneck in like six different places, right? Yep. So the, the metaphor, right, is like um, if you're at a carnival or whatever, they have the spinning plates, right? They get one spinning and once it's spinning, then they do the next one, right? right? So, I mean, I think that's a good business practice. You get the one rolling and then you do the next one. You don't try to do three at the same time because it's much more difficult. You lack the focus that you need. Um, so I'm going to dive this back a little bit because you mentioned the disk task and that you specifically tailor based on that. So, I mean, obviously in the entrepreneurial field, you know, the D's and the high D's and the high I's tend to be more natural. Mm -hmm. So... I'm sure you're willing to work with anybody. What kind of advice do you have for people on the opposite end of the spectrum? You know, the, the SCs and something like that. Well, the SCs, um, yeah, I love working, especially with the Cs, because one of the, um, the great things about Cs is they're very detailed. So there's not much they can miss. Whereas a high D will just like, oh, boom, boom, boom. Actually, one my best friend, he's a high D. Sometimes we get on the call and he goes, good. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean... How you have a conversation, right? But here's the thing. Uh, the high C, a lot of things happens for them that they have a very hard time taking action. 
So when we were working with those types of people, what we end up looking is helping them. Maybe there's someone in life who can take on some of the other aspects, like if they're married and they want to have a you know, vision is to work with um, you know, their partner, or we start taking them to the process of, okay, if you have a very detailed things because they can get stuck in the weeds very easily, we start peeling back the onion a little bit to go and, okay, what's one thing that we can do today? And we start working on just the one thing, and all of a sudden they get pulled out of the weeds. You know what I'm saying? Because they're not focusing like twenty thousand different things. Like, listen, if we no, were- I'm just processing it as you're saying it, because I mean, I'm I'm super excited to hear this. So essentially, your way of pulling a detail-oriented person out of the weeds is by focusing on a specific. Can you give like a more specific example of that? Well, so here's the thing. The detailed person, like if I, we, for instance, ask somebody to go and um, start calling leads, right? Well, the high C person, the very detailed person can probably go something like, well, I need to go and put them my list together for 20 people that I want to call. Then I need to figure out who that person is. So I need to go and research that person and find out on the internet what they do or don't do. The next thing I need to do is figure out my script. And I need to figure out what I'm going to say to him, how I'm going to say to him, and all those kinds of things. Next thing I need to do is get myself a cup of coffee and to make sure that I'm set up for this. I need to find a good space, quiet space that I can do this. And the the list goes on and on and on and on, right? So when I start having conversation, it's like, so let's look at from an entire list. What's the one thing that you can do that will get you closest to the end result that you want to take? And in that particular scenario, a lot of times it will just be, well, let's pick up the call and call somebody. All right, so let's talk about that. If there is some fear, we help them figure this out. But now it's just that one of the list, you just go and pick up the call and call somebody. And they'll get some kind of a result out of that. Either somebody's going to say, you know, hang up on them, or they're going to have a conversation. And all of a sudden, they're going to start seeing that all those different little steps may not be so necessary as they think they are, right? Or they're going to see what the bottleneck is, or they're going to see what is uh, they forgot or things like that. And that process helps them kind of get out of their uh, zone of thinking, I need to do 20,000 things before I do this. Does that make sense? Love it. So essentially the process is, isn't necessarily defined for them. The one action is to ask them, what is the one action you could take today that'll move you closer to your goal? Yeah. I mean, think about as a coach, I ask questions because I believe that every single one of my students, one, they're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. There's literally nothing wrong with you. Anybody on this earth It's just over the years, so much crap and put on you that you've been carrying this, just got to let it go. And then two, I believe that every single person already has an answer. Even the person who says, I don't know. But my question to them is, well, well, if you didn't know, what would it be? And 99% of the time, they tell me the answer. I'm like, huh, well, you know. So we already know what we need to do many, many of, majority of the time. It's just the right question needs to be asked to pull that answer out. Love it. So I want to ask you a question. So you are a coach that design, helps people design their lives and their visions. So I'm curious to know yours. If you had a billion dollars in the bank, and a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, how would you structure your life? What would freedom look like for you? 
Wow. Um, well, that's an interesting question. I've never been asked that question. I'm not so sure that much would change in my life. Um, as far as living my vision, you know, obviously I, I love traveling, so I would be doing that. But mostly, you know, one of the things that uh, I'm very passionate about because of my walk is in a community when it comes to um, substance abuse. My dad was an alcoholic, so I would probably do, you know, I sit on the board for that, um, for a nonprofit. So I would basically pour more into those kinds of resources and help people in that regard um, and things like that. And I would just look from the opportunities, how I can help others grow in work because I love seeing that for people, help them grow. Mm. I love this question so much because just about everybody we talk to ends up talking about how they want to help other people somehow. So, I mean, it's just awesome to see that, you know, the type of people that are performing on a high level, they tend to want to help people in some capacity, almost no matter what. Um, so the follow-up question to that would be, um, Mr. Polish Peter, what is your vision for the next 12 months for your business? My vision for the next 12 months? Well, I am releasing a book. Um, that is going to be talking a lot about this. I'm working on a book right now that's going to be helping people with this whole in between the two years. And my vision, I feel like there's something coming. You mentioned at the beginning of the podcast of um, things are going to be shaking up here in the industries, in the economies and things like that. So I think a lot of people will be um, kind of distraught maybe, or they're going to be looking from like what just happened. So my vision is to help create of group of people, other coaches to help others go and have the right mindset, right reactions to be able to live their life during this time, whatever it might be. So I am basically working on uh, creating of this coaching coaches uh, entity, part of my business to help that aspect grow. So that's going to be my whole thing for the next 12 months. And we're doing events throughout the year and, and things like that. So that's it. All right. Absolutely fantastic. Um, so if anybody in the audience wanted to reach out to you, Peter, what would be the best way for them to do so? Well, I am on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if you looked up Polish Peter, you'll find me on there. Um, you can email me at peter at mastersunite.com. Um, I'm more than happy to answer any kind of questions. But those two places on Facebook and Instagram, reach out to me, I'll communicate and I post some stuff on there that can help them out. All right, Polish Peter, Mr. Peter Collat, Mr. Transformational Speaker, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there that are chasing freedom, Mr. Collat has laid out some things for you to think about. So commit to taking an action and do so in the next seven days. Please tell somebody you know so that they can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too, We'll be living a life of freedom. So thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 